You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Shot of History. Welcome. <laughs> God damn it, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Shot of History. I'm Stephanie. I am the color man, Big Dev T. He. <laughs> Melissa. No, you're goddamn it, Melissa. <laughs> and 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 I, I'm I, I'm just Dave. I'm 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 just here. I'm peachy keen. Yeah, you know super. I'm not cutting that out of the intro. I'm super. Thanks for asking. <laughs> we're just having, yeah, we're having all kinds of fun here today on Shot of History. Yeah. Uh, we got Dev. Coming in today as our historian. Yes. What are we talking about today, Dev? Uh, we are talking about uh, crazy moments in history. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge of different things. So I feel like there's been a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a couple. Yeah. yeah. Here and yeah. there. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> and as always, before we get to the topic, you know what to do, everyone. Raise your glasses. Yeah. Woo! Smooth. Ooh. My glass was sticky and stuck to my nose. <laughs> God damn it, Melissa! My <laughs> name today. Yeah. That's your full title. Yes. <laughs> my full uh, title. Yeah. So. Again? I am goddamn it, Melissa Callahan. Uh, so our first mini uh, mini topic of this episode is uh, a three hundred percent mortality rate surgery. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so this this occurred in the 1800s. So this is back before we started washing hands, sterilizing tools. So that plays a large part into this this mortality rate. Okay. Uh, so the uh, surgeon in question uh, was Robert Liston. Uh, he was considered the fastest surgeon in the world. Um, which during the time that he would have been performing surgeries, uh, that was a key thing to have under your belt because this would have predated uh, any anesthesia. So everybody was awake. This is where you're getting people biting the bullet, drinking copious amounts of booze before, which turns out is probably not the right thing to do because that because it thins out your blood. <laughs> yeah, you could bleed out while you're yeah. on the table. Yeah. Um, so Robert Liston was so was so caught up in his own uh, his own ego that he would actually encourage people to time him while he was working. Uh. Uh, because you know at the at the time you you're you're performing these surgeries with a lot of people observing. Um, so he would he would challenge people in the audience to time him. Um, he did. He you know wait they actually had surgery theaters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, he's not just he's not just some egotistical uh, guy that's known for a three hundred percent mortality rate um, in one surgery. He did actually invent some some tools and techniques that we use today. Um, so uh, the Liston splint uh, used to set femurs and that is still used today. Um, and he invented the bulldog forceps, which are like the locking forceps that you use to cut off arteries while you're doing surgery. Oh, so okay. He oh, invented okay. those. Yep. Um, so he did useful shit. Yeah, he did some useful shit other than just showboat about his his skill with a knife. Um, <laughs> so, I, mean, I, I use those forceps in veterinary medicine. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, so a lot of the information on uh, Liston. Uh, that's not in medical text comes from uh, Richard Gordon's 1983 book about him. Um, and it, and he talks, he focuses mostly on Liston's um, maybe less, he calls them famous, but maybe less famous surgeries. Um, so like the, the ones that they're talking about are uh, removal of a 45 pound scrotal tumor in four minutes. Um, yes, 45 pounds. They said the guy had to carry the tumor around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> okay, but like, so like it had to grow to that size. Right, so he didn't just wake up with a 45-pound tumor. So he yeah. waited until it weighed 45 fucking pounds to go get that mm-hmm. bitch cut off. I mean, I mean, I got their ideas from. I have health insurance and I can identify with weight. It's like, I think it'll go away on its own. <laughs> 45 pounds once it gets bigger than the thing it's growing on i think you need to go to the hospital i mean maybe he was really pop maybe he was really popular with the ladies because of it maybe maybe the ladies he liked really liked a heavy sack oh god no one has ever said that in their lives Uh, so anyway so anyway he like a little chair yeah so he removed this 45 pound scrotal tumor um he at one point in time was treating uh treating a young child who had this large pulse uh pulsating sore at what he thought was a sore on on the boy's neck um but people were kind of debating him and saying like no we're pretty sure it's an arterial aneurysm you probably don't want to do anything with it. And he's like, and he basically is like, ah, that's bullshit. Nobody's ever heard of an aneurysm. In Hold my beer. Yeah. Or so it was a second head. Yeah. Right so, so neck. while he's telling people like, ah, no, that's bullshit. He whips out a, uh, whips out a knife and lances, the an- lances, the aneurysm and blood shoots everywhere, basically immediately killing the boy. And but, then he died. And then and then the boy died. <laughs> I mean, you know, arteries. But they they removed they removed the artery from the boy's neck after he had passed, uh, presumably, because who knows? This Robert Liston guy may have <laughs> removed it while the kid was still alive just to prove he could do it. Right. Um, but they they actually have the artery in the University College Hospital Pathology Museum. Weird. Yeah. You know, just a thing, a, a, a neck artery just lay, laying around. Hey, where's <laughs> the scrotal tumor? Yeah, I know. I um, I would have kept the tumor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he also was once. Uh, it was recorded that he had amputated a leg in two point five minutes. However, in the haste of removing the leg, he also accidentally removed the patient's testicles. <laughs> So this guy, he's a hack. 
Yeah, he's <laughs> quite literally. Yes. Yeah, he's hacks. But by far, I think the the most famous one, at least the one that came up multiple times, um, whilst kind of searching for these weird, crazy moments in history um, that may may or may not be true. Um, it's it's questionable about its validity. Um, but the he killed three people over the course of a surgery, which is his three hundred percent. I was I, I was waiting for the math on this one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, so the patient and the assistant holding the patient's leg that was being amputated uh, both died of gangrene. So the assistant received cuts, uh, lost a finger. Um, it became gangrenous. Uh, the leg became gangrenous, and the patient and the assistant died. Like, did this guy go on to like found Benny Hanna? Like, wh- <laughs> was he just like whipping shit around when he like what oh. the? Hell? <laughs> he must have because the third person that died during this was just an observing physician who, <laughs> while uh, Liston was mid cutting of this leg was whipping around the saw or the knife or whatever he was using at that point and nicked the lab coat that the doctor was wearing. And the doctor was so frightened that he had actually been cut in a vital organ area that he had a heart attack and died. (laughs) Okay. But could he have really been that good of a doctor if he thought his shoulder contained vital organs? (laughs) I feel like that one wasn't really a loss. You know, science has come a long way, okay? We don't know what these guys were dealing with, other than this asshole who is cutting people all over the place. Right. Just like like heating the shit out of whatever you were using to cut and then just cauterizing it. Like, you might have been better off doing it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, just reading through some of the stuff. I mean, like I said, he did ultimately do a lot of good for uh the medical field but at the same time his ego tended to get the best of it <laughs> yeah as doctors do yeah as, as um, one does yeah yes yeah so uh so the next mini topic uh is pepsi becomes a world military power <laughs> so <that laughs> is, is is this where is pepsi okay comes from <laughs> Yeah, Pepsi. <laughs> so uh, the the vice president of PepsiCo in 1959 uh, attended an event in Moscow that was meant to show uh, the Soviet Union the benefits of being a capitalistic nation because <laughs> you know because com- capitalism, right? Because you know, yeah, that's what we do <laughs> best over yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so, he, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> so, uh, so he brought, you know, samples of Pepsi and the, apparently the Soviets went absolutely apeshit over Pepsi. I mean, apparently they didn't have Coke to, uh, compare it to right. because they would later find out like, oh man, I think we might've got chipped on this deal. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, you have Coke? Is Pepsi okay? I feel like, <laughs> comrade, once again, we have been left holding poop shiv. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so they went crazy over Pepsi. Uh, the Soviets, the Soviet money at the time, you know, this is during the Cold War. Um, not a lot of people uh, uh, accepting Soviet money uh, for trade of, right. of goods and or services. So they came up with this plan. 
um, to trade three billion dollars worth of military equipment to PepsiCo, which is about twenty-seven billion dollars today, to purchase Pepsi for the country. <laughs> wow! Wow! The amount of military uh, weaponry that was traded to Pepsi made it the sixth largest military power in the world at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now I got like, and what did they do with all that crap? So uh, after, after everything had, you know, all the paperwork had processed and whatever they, they did eventually sell off all of this uh, military equipment to a Swedish uh, recycler for scrap. So eventually it just, they didn't do anything with it other than just, oh, well, now we need to get our money back. So they sold it for scrap, scrap iron prices, basically. But they could have <laughs> they could have just invaded Coke and taken over Coke if they wanted to. Missed opportunities, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, missed opportunity. Exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. It's like, you know, hey, Blockbuster at one point in time could have bought Netflix for $10 million and passed. That's, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there would have been a legit Coke-Pepsi war. Yeah, right. Would have legit. I think it would have ended pretty quick. I mean, unless, I mean, unless PepsiCo doesn't have a, an actual standing army. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pepsi's always okay. You got that. <laughs> uh, so the the next topic is uh, Napoleon defeated by rabbits. Oh my god! I, this is one that I read about that I wanted to like bring up at some point. So yeah. I'm so excited. I'm sorry if Did this Napoleon defeated by a rabbit. If this story is not called Waterloo Down, I'm rioting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a missed opportunity. On part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Napoleon, uh, after signing the, the Treaty of Tilsit, uh, decided the best way to celebrate this victory of signing this treaty was to have a rabbit hunt with him and his generals. Because, you know, hunting little cute fuzzy things. As, as one does. Yes. Yes. Uh, So he sent his chief of staff, Alexandra Bertier. I had to spell it out phonetically. (laughs) Bertier uh, was sent to the task of uh, of setting up this hunt and and procuring the rabbits for uh, for this hunt. Um, So normally you would think like. How many rabbits do you need for Napoleon to like get his rocks off? Maybe maybe 30, 40, 50? No. 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 This guy went and bought 3,000 farm-raised rabbits to stock the hunt. 3,000 rabbits, y'all. Yeah. You Farm- heard that yeah. right. I mean, okay, I know we all know Napoleon was a short man. And I feel like this might have been the Napoleonic complex in motion. Like, dude, you don't know. You like you don't understand. We have to make sure that the short guy gets to kill a bunny. Like, like because because all the other guys, like all the other guys, are better shots. All the other guys are taller and can see better. We need three thousand rabbits in order to make sure that this little midget gets his bunny. Yeah, yeah. So, so and. Like I said, these are farm-raised rabbits, so they have no reason to fear people, which 
kind of backfires. Um, yeah. So they so they go to the so Napoleon and his and his comrades go to this field, um, and uh, Berthier sets le- uh, sets the rabbits free. Release the rabbits. Yeah. It releases all three thousand rabbits. There's there's a war cry. Release the bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because these rabbits were farm raised, so they, they saw people. They saw people. They didn't run away. They saw people. They're like, well, that's where we're gonna go <laughs> towards the people. So three thousand so rabbits. Yes. There's this mass of rabbits moving towards this hunting party. Um, that's they amazing have, pictures. Yeah, they eventually realize this charge of rabbits is not going to let up, and yeah. Napoleon is and his hunting party are forced to retreat from the field of battle. They bitched out. They bitched out yeah. over some bunny rabbits. I don't care if it's three thousand of them. What are they going to do? Hop yeah. on you to death? Probably not. <laughs> Dude, they made House Party 4, and I have not seen a movie about this event. Like, what is wrong with Hollywood? Like, how <laughs> how is how is Waterloo Down not a feature film, like, starring, I don't know, probably Matthew McConaughey, uh, you know, and uh, either Danny DeVito or uh, what's his name from Game of Thrones? No, it, it doesn't need to be a, a feature-length film. It needs to be a short yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, not just because Napoleon was short, but I mean, there's yes. really not a whole lot to it. Yeah. It needs to be a short. Yeah. I would yeah. watch that shit. Yeah. Well, I, the bunnies hippity hopped and didn't stop. Yes, they hippity yes. hopped and did not stop until Napoleon retreated. <laughs> like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh my uh, god. <laughs> Uh, the next, the next little topic uh, is dead, dead first. Um, so in 1932, um, at the Belmont uh, Park for uh, horse racing, um, there was a race going on, and jockey Frank Haynes uh, actually died of a heart attack while racing. And however, yeah. However, yeah, he was somehow he <laughs> stayed in the saddle through the full entirety of the race. And the horse ended up winning. Um, and uh, the horse, and, and the funny thing about this is the horse was actually like a long shot to win. <laughs> so the fact that the guy died and the horse won, people are like, huh, well, where's my money? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they ended up paying out. It was like 20, 20 to 1 odds on the horse that won. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, the, this is the first uh, recorded case of a jockey, a dead jockey, winning a horse race. I heard of that one. The first yeah. jockey to win postmortem. Yep. yep. That's yep. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last one that I've got uh, is the Viking con job. Um, so this one is uh, this one I found really interesting just because it it pl- it plays on people's. Uh, ideas of what is useful to them in their lives and uh, what actually exists at the time and in real life. Um, so as we all know, the Vikings uh, were the first to settle Greenland um, on their way to Greenland. When they settled there, Eric, the red um, and his, his homies, I'm going to call them his homies because they're, they're Vikings <laughs> and they're homies to me. <laughs> they, uh, 
they encountered narwhals. Picturing a bunch of big bearded guys sitting around a campfire. Normal. Pint yes. of grog for me and one for my homies. Yes. Yes. Uh, so they they encountered narwhals for the first. Sea unicorns. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 sea unicorns. Uh, so Eric the Red. Yeah. Yeah. It's the the molar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Eric the Red, being the uh, well-traveled and well-cultured fellow that he was, knew that Europeans at the time believed that unicorns actually existed and that their horns uh, granted them special abilities. Um, maybe maybe fixed impotence. Uh, I was going to say sexual. I was like leading to the term horny. Yes. Um, so... Him, him, and his him and his homies <laughs> started started collecting uh, narwhal tusks and selling them to merchants and and European princes for ridiculous amounts of money. And Jeez. this 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 practice continued for five hundred years until a until a non Viking explorer actually made it to Greenland and was all like, "Hey, there's all these." These creatures in the water that have these, these creatures. Long, there's all these creatures that in the water. There's so here. many creatures. I love that word. <laughs> um, so yeah, so for 500 years, the Vikings uh, cut tusks off narwhals and sold it to Europeans, so their dicks could get hard. You know what? I mean, bad for the narwhals, but good for the Vikings. I, you know what? When yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's like that's. Uh, I feel like the yeah. the Br- the I British did enough. Like, yeah, I mean the British did enough bad shit over the years. They deserve that one. They really, really did. Yeah. Like that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I like yeah. that. Yeah, so that's, that's what I had. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I like so it. shows like that, like just random bouts of like little pieces. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the stuff, it's all like, oh, this is a funny little little tidbit. There's not much here to do with, so uh, yeah, you just, we'll just, just this way. collect all your little shotlets, if you will. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna oh. say shorts, which could be like Napoleon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think it's time to pop out the plugs. Stuff, you go first. All right. Uh, www.stephaniemenard.com for most of your Stephanie Menard needs. Also check out Rocketing Studios. Um, There's a lot of great uh, graphic novels and art that you can get through them. And listen to my other shows on the Podcast Detroit Network. Of which there are many. Yes. (laughs) She's she's a talker, that one. Uh, So, yeah, and speaking of, you've got, uh, like I said, you know, Podcast Detroit, all the things, um, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the websites. It's, uh, you know, you know, Spaceballs, the website, Spaceballs, the Instagram, you know, Podcast (laughs) Detroit. Uh, We've got a bunch of shows uh, that are out there. You should check a few of them out. Uh, There's there's if if you can't find something in our catalog that you like, uh, you might want to check your pulse because there's literally something for everybody in there. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> a plethora, um, if you will. <laughs> a plethora, yes. Plethora. Uh, Source Point Press, Deepwater Games, Oxide Media, N3 Art, all that shit. Um, fuck Steve, fuck Jefferson. All right. Well, from Shot of History, we'll see you next time. I'm Stephanie. I'm the Color Man Big Dev. I'm Melissa. And Dave, and we out. <laughs>